1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It is time to prepare for the coming of Antichrist. He is about to be revealed. If you wait until he is revealed, you have waited too long. If you wait until he's been revealed, you have waited too long. Now during this shutdown that has occurred all over the world, many Bible-believing Christians have turned away from the Lord Jesus and have been taken in sin. They've turned back to the... To the they've turned back to the pornography... Some of you have turned back to wicked movies. You've been consumed in the gaming world. You have become gluttons of food and have put on immense amounts of weight until you've become obese. You have turned your heart away from Jesus. It is time now to reverse this. Received a text yesterday from a dear brother confessing just this. And he has turned back to the Lord. And he has been forgiven by the Lord for his turning to wickedness. And now he wants to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Have you sinned against the Lord? Have you turned back to things that you had Utterly left? Have you turned back to alcohol or drugs? Have you turned back to illicit sex? Have you turned back to things that you know are wrong? It's time to prepare for the coming of Messiah. It's time to prepare for the coming of the Antichrist, the man of wickedness. Let me read for you a scripture. Second Thessalonians I'm going to begin reading verse 8 The lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming Now that man of lawlessness the Antichrist has been held back he has been delayed by the Holy Spirit and by the spirit of god in holy people he has been held back but now he is being released and we are seeing a geyser of vile wickedness and perversion spreading itself over the entire world it says in verse 8 this is second thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 8. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And many of those will be in the church. and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. Do you love the truth? Or do you love the wickedness of your own heart? Do you love the truth about Jesus, about righteousness, about holiness? Or do you love the spice of murder, violence, and illicit sexuality? Do you love the television? Do you love the movies? Do you love the things of darkness? Are you naturally attracted to the things of darkness? Then you have the Antichrist spirit operating in your life and you need to get ready. You need to get rid of it or you'll be left, and you'll be lost. Verse 11, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. I want you to get that contrast. Everyone is going to be condemned who has not believed that Jesus is is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, why will they not believe that? Because they have delighted in wickedness. And this man who is coming is utterly evil. He is the man of wickedness. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Well, today, I'd like to break that down. I'd like you to see clearly the pathway into the throne room of God. Now, for some of you, this will be a review, but for others, it will be brand new. But first, I want to read for you a passage out of 2 Timothy, the third chapter. This is a description of what is going on in the last day's church. This is not speaking, Paul is not speaking to Timothy about what's going to happen in the world. He's talking about what's going to happen in the church among people who call themselves Christians. And this is the onset and the preparation for the man of iniquity, for the Antichrist to be introduced and to take power and control over the world. He writes, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, but brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. This is a church in america a form of godliness but denying its power what power the power to leave your sin the power to be made righteous the power for the sanctifying work of the holy spirit to be done in your life so that you walk clean before god you continue reading In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, he'll speak more about this. But if you also go to the book of Jude, you'll find a detailed description there also of the pastors and the way they teach and the lies. Well, today it's all kind of smoothed over. But Jesus sees it. He sees what's happening. The man of lawlessness is about to be revealed, and if he is going to be revealed, we need to prepare ourselves for his coming. And we need to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus. We are very near to the coming of Jesus Christ. I suspect most of you who are listening will be alive when Jesus comes. I fully expect to meet him if I don't die as a martyr before that. Now Moses established the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was a pictorial diagram of the plan of salvation as it was worked out by Jesus Christ. So why do I go to the story of Moses time after time? Because... It was written as a warning to us, First Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It was written as a warning to us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Let's be clear, we are at the end of the ages, and the Antichrist is about to be revealed in all of his ugly wickedness, and he will deceive If possible, even the very elect, he will work miracles and signs and wonders. How do we get ready? I'm going to give you a very detailed breakdown of the temple of God in the desert, the tent of meeting, when when the children of Israel brought forth their golden calf idol. And God dealt with them. And he told Moses, I'll go with you. Now come up into the mountain and I'm going to share with you the detailed description of every piece of furniture that's going to go into that tabernacle. And every piece of that furniture has a very specific meaning for you today to walk as a Christian. First, when a person would come with a sacrificial lamb to the entrance of this tabernacle of God, he would stand with his back to the east. That was significant because the sun represented prosperity in the world. It was the sun god. Many pagans worshiped the sun. The children of Israel were told, turn your back on the prosperity of the world. Bring the lamb, the sacrifice. They would come through the entrance to the enclosed area, the courtyard. And as they came in, the first article of furniture would be a large brazen altar. Always ablaze with sacred fire. And they were to offer that animal sacrifice, cutting its throat. Personally, they had to cut their own animal's throat. And then the priests would take over and they would offer that lamb on the bronze altar. This is the first step toward following Jesus Christ. Now please understand, we're told in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that your spiritual act of worship is to offer your body as a living sacrifice unto God. In other words, when you come into the presence of God, you must come prepared to lay it all down, to cut your own throat. Now, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb, and the atonement, Jesus was the atonement. It's not something that was done to him. He was the atonement. He was the atoning lamb for our sin. But we're told in Romans 6, that we must be crucified with him. We must be laid on the altar with him. Everything must be laid down. And so when we begin the journey as a new Christian or as an old Christian, the first article, if you want to enter into the presence of God, if you want to be prepared to deal with Antichrist, The first place you must stop is at the brazen altar and you must lay your life on that altar so that you have no life outside of Jesus Christ. He is everything to you. You lay there your hobbies. You lay there your work. You lay there your wife or your husband, your children. You give everything into the hand of Jesus. You no longer have the anxieties or the pressures. You lay it all on that altar. It is an altar of fire and it consumes everything that is laid on that altar. And you must continually, day by day, remain as a living sacrifice before God. You must be a living sacrifice if you are going to enter into the most holy compartment. If you're to enter the throne room of God, you must be a living sacrifice and you must not remove yourself. We're speaking spiritually. Remember I said yesterday, there is a physical realm and a spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. Because your body is going to die, but your spirit is not. And you will be given a new body. Everything must be laid on that bronze altar. Your ambitions, your desires, the lusts of your heart. I speak with Christians who say, Pastor, I just can't seem to overcome this. And they name their sin. Well, the reason they can't overcome their sin is that they still have not laid that sin on the altar because they love it. Everything must be laid on that altar. All sin must be laid on the altar. You don't continue walking as a Christian and walking in sin. To be born from above means you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life that gives you victory over every temptation. And if you don't have victory over that temptation, it's because you've not laid that thing on the altar burnt offering. And the Lord says, now come. Come, lay it on the altar now. Now you come next to the bronze basin. As the priest would leave the altar where the sacrifice has been laid on the altar, the bronze altar, they come to a bronze basin and it's there that they must wash and get clean. If you read 1 John 5, 1 to 8, if you read Hebrews 10:22 you will see that we must be washed it is the blood and the water and the holy spirit now what is this washing our sin has been laid on the bronze altar everything has been put there before god but yet there is a washing that is required And it is the washing of that thing which is in itself our character. It is that thing in us which is, shall I say, unknown sin? Because to be sin, it has to be conscious. But it's that, it's the ways of the human heart that are not necessarily in rebellion against God, they're simply the ways. And the Holy Spirit begins to point these ways out, the way we mistreat people, immaturities. He begins to show us what needs to be washed away. It is the final and full cleansing of the human heart. And frankly, this may take some of you a great deal of time and energy. This will probably include restitution. This is going to include confession. I was taken by surprise this week by someone. And I answered their query in a way that the Holy Spirit told me later was cold and even rude. I had not meant to be rude. But the way I spoke came out cold and rude. And the Lord said, repent to that person. Yes, sir. And I went and I repented. And I asked them to please forgive me that I'd not meant to be rude or cold, but I had been. The bronze basin is where we get washed up. We get ready to enter into the very presence of God. Now, I don't want to rush over these first two articles of furniture. The bronze basin was mirrored and full of water. Fresh water, and in the mirrors we could see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. It requires time, it requires the reading of Scripture, it requires fasting and meditation. If you're honest with me, some of you would have to identify what the Apostle Paul said. That your God is your belly. And even the thought of fasting terrifies you. I couldn't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Some of you who have medical conditions like type 2 diabetes may have to work with a doctor. But the only way to break type 2 diabetes, from my understanding, is by fasting. But we don't want to withhold from ourselves any pleasant thing. And we love that chocolate. And we love that ice cream. And we love those sugary things. The Lord has told me, stop eating sugar. Okay? Now, please, I'm a sugarholic. But I've stopped eating sugar. I made a mistake this week. I was given two little pieces of cake with a a whipped cream cherry topping on it. And I ate them. And immediately I physically paid the price because I haven't been eating any sugar. I had to repent. For this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't have a right to put in my mouth whatever I want to put in. If you want to know who you are, look at what you eat. You are what you eat. And you eat what you are. And this issue of gluttony is so huge. Some of you are thin, but you're gluttons. You worship at the altar of food. Some of you are worshiping gourmet food. You're very picky eaters. Oh, what's in that? That doesn't look very appealing. Really? Stop being such a snob and repent. And eat what is set before you. I went to a, to a restaurant last night with a friend to eat. It was one of the worst meals I think I've ever had. I was hungry for steak and for vegetables. And so I ordered asparagus to go with the steak. And also some of these, what are they called? These little cabbages. Well, they were hard as rocks, and the spin and the asparagus was mushed. I like it El dente. And my steak was so filled with with fat, with gristle. and it was a fillet. Now fortunately, I didn't have to pay for my meal. You know what I did? I could have sent it all back. I said, Lord, thank you for this wonderful meal. It wasn't about the food. It didn't fit my taste. But I ate what was set before me. And I thank God for it. And I also thank God I didn't have to pay for it. Now, I don't want to hurry past this bronze altar and I don't want to hurry past this bronze basin. This is where things begin to get straightened out in our hearts. This is where we have to study diligently the scriptures. This is where we have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he comes to wash us, to change us, even change personality in us. cry is, Lord, prepare me that when the coming of the Antichrist is here, I will not be deceived by him, that I will not believe his lies, that I will not be caught in wickedness, that I will love the truth. I will love you, Jesus, and be filled with your joy, with your peace, with your long suffering. Now you go from these two articles of furniture and you enter into what is called the holy place. There are three articles of furniture according to the Old Testament. In Hebrews, it says there are only two articles of furniture there, but I'm not going to deal with that today. In the Old Testament, there are three, and that is the plan. First, on your right-hand side, is what is called the table of showbread. This is where you are fresh and clean, and your life is laid out before God as bread to be eaten by the Lord, to be consumed by the Lord in the Spirit. My life is not my own. I don't get to choose what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go. I don't get to choose what I'm going to give and what I'm going to take. I've been to the bronze altar. I've laid it all down. I've been to the bronze basin, the laver. And there I've been washed by the Holy Spirit. I've been sanctified. I've been made holy. So I come into the holy compartment of heaven. And I lay my life before God to be broken bread for him. On the left side is the candelabra, representing the Holy Spirit. And so now I'm in the holy place. It's two compartments. I'm now in the first, the holy compartment. And I lay my life before the Lord. And the light of the Holy Spirit covers me and fills me. Pentecost baptizes me. I'm filled with his presence. I'm filled with his power. I'm filled with his glory. I'm filled with his joy and with his peace and with his long-suffering. And the fruit of the Spirit begins to flow from my life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now, there's one more piece of of furniture in the holy compartment, and that stands directly before the most holy compartment. And it's called the altar of incense, the golden altar of incense. No sacrifice is placed on this altar. It is anointed with blood on the horns once a year by the priest. This is the place where incense continually goes up before the Lord, the sweet-smelling savor of the incense, and with it, the prayers of God's people. So we come into the holy place and we lay our lives before God. The Holy Spirit anoints us, And now we're able to enter into the prayer. We're able to cry out to Jesus. We're able to intercede for the lost and the dying. We're able to functionally operate in prayer. Now, many Christians, I'm sad to say this, but I'm going to say it. I've been in many prayer meetings, and the prayer meetings are usually of one of two kinds. One foolish prayer. Shallow and cheap. That doesn't mean anything. There may be a a shallow prayer for Mary's toe or for some sick one, but it's shallow. It has no meaning and nothing happens when they pray. And thank you, Jesus, for my family. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you for my job. Blah, blah, blah. It's foolishness. And... And pastors have become very professional and and the, the words flow so easily from their lips. So effeminate. So unreal. You want to vomit. That's not what the altar of incense is for. The altar of incense is for an outpouring of our hearts to Jesus. We've already been washed. We're already cleaned before him. But now we come to pray for the lost and the dying. We now come to pray in agreement with Jesus. Now, while we are in the Most Holy Our life is laid out before Jesus. Our prayers are ascending from the altar of incense. We are still with our life laid on the bronze altar. We've not taken up our life. We've not said, okay, I can operate now. This is my deal. I'm going to be a winning success. I'm going to be somebody. No, all of that's on the altar. You stay on the altar your pride is on the altar. Your possessions are on the altar. Your goals, your ambitions, your family, everything is on the altar. And it stays there. And you may have to go back and revisit the bronze altar, the, the bronze basin. You may have to go back and visit that. Where the Holy Spirit begins to convict you and say, I'm not pleased with what you just said or what you just did. Now you need to go make that right. You need to get that clean before you. And you plead the blood and you're washed. Washed with pure water. So in the holy place, there's the presence of the Holy Spirit in power, Pentecost power. Your life is laid before Jesus as food for him. Didn't he say, I give you my body and my blood, they are food and drink? Yes. Well, ours is now laid before Jesus in return. We are his. He is ours. Now, when you've been through this process, you'll see a curtain in front of you. And we know from Scripture Hebrews, the 10th chapter, that that veil that separates the holy and the most holy is literally the body of Jesus Christ. And that veil was rent in two when Jesus was offered as a living, burning sacrifice on the cross when he was crucified some have said that curtain here on earth was 12 inches thick separating the holy from the most holy and when jesus died that curtain was rent in two it represented the body of jesus christ being rent being torn As he died, that curtain has now been torn, and we can now have an anchor that enters into the Holy of Holies. And we have access to go into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by the blood of an animal as in the days of Moses. Aaron was only allowed to enter this sanctuary in the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. He was not allowed to enter whenever he chose. But you can enter. But if you're going to enter into that heavenly, most holy compartment, literally, if you're going to enter into the throne room of God, you're going to have to do the work first at the bronze altar a work of confession, a work of leaving the sin by the power of the blood of Jesus. You're going to have to be washed, and you're going to have to go into the holy place and lay your life before the Lord, and your life becomes an offering, a sacrifice. Now, some of you Don't like the idea of this because you have your own plans. You have your own agenda. You know where you want to live. You know where you don't want to live. You know what car you want to drive. You know what kind of work you want to do. You have goals and objectives, and you're on your way. If that's true of you, you're not on your way to heaven. And when the Antichrist comes, you're going to be swept away in the deception No, my life must be laid on the bronze altar. And with that goes what I like to eat, where I like to go, my ambitions. Every part of my life has to be laid on that bronze altar. I no longer own myself. I was bought at a price. My body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit And most Christians want to skip over the bronze basin. They don't like the searching work of the Holy Spirit. They say, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. The preacher said I was saved and I continue to walk in sin, but I'm saved. I'm loved. Wrong. You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit do that searching work of healing and surgery. In your heart. Oh, but I have to do this. Did Jesus tell you you had to do it? And are you sure it wasn't the voice of the devil speaking to you? You enter into that holy place, you enter into the very presence of the fire of God, the Holy Spirit. You offer your prayers, the prayers that are in accord with the heart of Jesus. You ask in his name, according to his will, and he said, I will do whatever you ask. Well, those are the prayers that must be prayed at the altar of incense, not at the prayers of the bronze altar, not the prayers that are offered at the bronze basin, because there we're not praying in accord with the will of God too often. We must come into total oneness with Jesus in the laying of everything on the altar as the spiritual sacrifice is made. This is our spiritual worship. And then to be washed and cleansed. And we enter into the holy place. And we see that the curtain is torn open. And that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, there is just one article of furniture. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. It's an ark that is made of acacia wood with a gold overlay. Symbolizing the body of Jesus. He is pure without sin, but he is human. But then over the top of that ark is a golden lid. And on that golden lid is the Shekinah glory of God. It is the privilege of every Christian who has entered into the Holy of Holies by way of the bronze altar, the labor, who has laid his life before God as bread to be eaten, giving up all of his own agenda in the light of the Holy Spirit, and you have come to the altar of incense, and you have cried out to God. You're invited into that most holy place, into the very presence of Jesus, and we fellowship with Jesus. Now, I praise God that some of you today are in the Holy of Holies before Almighty God, washed and clean. Washed and clean. It's in the Holy of Holies that we commune in the sweetest kind of way with our Lord. In the meditation, in the reading of the word, in the fasting. It's there we go to meet with Jesus. There's a great deal of room in the Holy of Holies. The place I most desire to be is in the Holy of Holies, laying on my face before the Almighty Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the altar of incense, according to the writer of the book of Hebrews, is moved inside of the Holy of Holies. I like that because I want to offer my prayers before Jesus in the Holy of Holies. I want the sweet savor of Jesus to ascend with my prayers. I want to be in the cloud of God's glory. We're told that Joshua would not leave the tent of meeting. He just wanted to stay in the presence of God. I want to stay in the presence of Almighty God. I don't want to be shut out of his presence. If you desire in your heart to prepare... the coming of the Antichrist then you're going to have to come and go through this process that I have described you're going to have to go to that bronze altar you're going to have to go and let the Holy Spirit search you with the laver and wash you with the water you're going to have to go in the Holy of Holies But to get there, you're going to have to lay your life down as food for God. You're going to have to be consumed by the Lord God of heaven. I've been a pastor now for 52 years in Washington. (coughs) Pardon me. I want to tell you that my life has now been consumed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There isn't anything else that interests me. I am consumed by my love for Jesus, for the truth, for the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of God, to invite you to come along, to go through the same process, to lay before the ark of God the Shekinah glory, To hear the commands of God and to obey them. To rejoice in the peace. To rejoice in everything being put into his hands. You know, I come to this radio broadcast and we're the last of the month. I'm going to tell you, Jesus has heard our cry and the radio bill for the month of September is covered by his grace, by his moving in the hearts of men and women. It's covered. The last of the monies came in yesterday. I thank each one of you who has shared in this incredible privilege of participating in the work of God. May he bless you richly. But I want to tell you, Peace can reign in your heart when you no longer have anxieties or burdens because you have gone through this incredible diagram of the old covenant, and you've entered into the most holy compartment, and there you are lifted up into the presence and the glory of Jesus, and you rejoice You rejoice in what he's doing in your life. You praise him and you worship him and you honor him. Everything you have is now on the altar. Everything that you are has been washed at the laver. You've laid your life before God. Not to be consumed by the devil or the world or your own lust but to be consumed by the Lord God of heaven and you go into the most holy through the torn body of Jesus Christ and you lay before the Ark of the Covenant owned, controlled, changed, transformed, washed, made whole. That's our privilege in Jesus. I pray this has been helpful to you today. Take some time. Go through the scriptures. Search them for yourselves. And please, if you'd like to write to me, I'd love to hear from you. I thank Lisa and others who've written to me. God bless you. Twyla, thank you for your wonderful letter. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. If you're in the metro area, you're also welcome to come. People come from Gaithersburg, they come from all over the city. It's a small group, we're serious about Jesus. If you'd like to come and worship with us, please come. You'll find the information at nationalprayerchapel.com. Have well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. God bless you.